Literally, the name of this podcast is going to be Helpful Hannah. Oh. That's definitely the title. <laughs> I oh, I love a good title. Welcome to the Pre-Vet Podcast. I'm Alex Avellino, your tour guide on the journey to becoming a veterinarian. Listen along as we provide you with tips, tricks, and tales on applying to veterinary school. Welcome back to the Pre-Vet Podcast. I'm Alex Avellino, and today my guest is Hannah Hine. Hannah, welcome to the show. Hi, it's great to be here. Hannah was our floating falcon for five this summer. Five was our first year of veterinary experience. A lot of our guests this season were facilitators who helped orient the new class. Hannah had a very unique position. Um, I'll let her describe it, but before we do, Hannah, tell us your hometown, your undergraduate institution, and your major. Okay, so I was born in New Hampshire. Lived in California for a while as a kid, but I've been living in St. Augustine, Jacksonville, Florida for the last like 15 years mm-hmm. with my family. Um, I went to UF as my undergrad. And um, what was the last question? Your major. My major, wildlife ecology and conservation. What's, why'd you pick that? Well, I was in animal science uh-huh. and chemistry scared me. <laughs> and I decided, well, you know, I don't know if I did decide to go to vet school that um, I wanted to focus more on the animal science thing or if I wanted to do more like zoom ed wildlife type stuff. Yeah. So that's kind of why I ended up going the wildlife ecology path. And where are you at now with your journey? Do you feel like you'll end up doing zoom ed? Um, I would like to do aquatics. Yeah, you do all the fish tanks. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I'd like to do aquatics. Did you? Do you feel like the – because I have a lot of students who are trying to choose between animal sciences, biology, wildlife ecology – I usually push them towards biology or animal sciences just because the prereqs are built in and I don't know the wildlife ecology major as much. You want to talk about that major and what you liked about it and if you would recommend it? Yeah, I love the wildlife ecology major. Um, It focused a lot on Florida wildlife. Mm, Um, That's kind of cool. Yeah, it was it was really cool, especially for someone who didn't necessarily like grow up, grow up here. Yeah. Um, So I got to learn a lot about Florida. And then just in general, they teach you about, you know, conservation and ecology. Um, so I really enjoyed the major and they do have a pre-vet track if you, do um, they? yes. Yeah. So if you wanted to do that track, you could, and it'll uh-huh. take you through like organic chemistry, physics, all that. Okay. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. So students who are listening, if you choose to go to UF for your undergrad, the WEC major might be a great option. Talk to me about your understanding about conservation and veterinary medicine, because so many students are like, I want to do conservation medicine, or they'll just say conservation. And to me, what I think they think that means is they're saving the endangered species. And I'm like, mm, talk about how vet med actually plays a role in conservation. Well, I think the one health aspect of vet med plays a big role in mm-hmm. that, because you're looking at how humans are interacting with not just, um, you know, human medicine, right. but you're looking at humans, animals, and the environment kind of coming together under that one big category. Um, So I think wildlife ecology and conservation, that aspect of it was really interesting because especially if you're interested in like public health and public education type stuff, Mm -hmm. um, that could be an interesting track because you can even kind of spin the wildlife ecology. Like even if you weren't necessarily just interested in wildlife and you wanted to focus more on like environmental conservation. Sure. You know, you could probably find a way to kind of merge veterinary medicine with that. Okay. So what I hear you saying is there are options and there is flexibility in that major to maybe make your own track and path. So if Mm -hmm. you're interested in maybe, I don't want to say you're a dreamer, but if you're someone who has like big goals, which kind of makes sense for conservation, like it's a big ticket item. It is. eh, That could work. Okay, Hannah. Hannah. 
talk about five. Yes. What is it? How would you describe? Because essentially, you were like one of the main leaders because you were in that floating role. So talk to us about five and your role. Yeah. So five is the first year of veterinary experience. Um, it's kind of like a way to bring the new incoming students to um, campus, you know, the week before you start classes and just give them a feel for what the campus is like, um, kind of do some leadership training with them and really help give them an opportunity to kind of bond with mm -hmm. their classmates and even with upperclassmen. Um, my role as floater was to just help wherever I could really and um, whether that was facilitating conversations between the first year students and the facilitators um, or helping you and Tiffany with anything behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. um, that was just kind of my position was just kind of to help wherever I could. And when I asked about having a floater, you said that you were more than willing to do that because you identify as a helper. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about that role. Like, who are you when it comes to being helpful? Um, so that was actually something that one of my current vet school classmates pointed out about me. She was like, Hannah, did you realize that you're always helping out people? Like the roles that you seem to gravitate towards are always kind of just generally being available to help. Mm -hmm. um, like I'm also the webmaster for our class, so I help people with technology stuff if they're having issues with like our class Dropbox. Um, I am the assistant tank manager for our aquatics club, so I help our tank manager with all the fish tanks on campus. So it's just kind of a role that I naturally gravitate towards just being generally available. Yeah, like a supporting role. Yeah. And you do a great job. <laughs> I think you. that you, I mean, never complain, great attitude. I love that someone pointed it out to you because it helps for like our all of our self-awareness. So I would tell everyone who's listening, if someone has told you something that like rings true or you consistently hear the same thing, like the same feedback, like explore that because then you'll know what roles you like. Yeah. Do you think you would like like a firm leadership role where you're completely in charge? I do enjoy directing mm -hmm. like things like whenever it's class projects or stuff like that, I tend to kind of step into more of a leadership role, but I don't know if that's because I actually want to be in charge mm -hmm. or if it's because I am very organized. So I kind of see like a plan forward. Yes. So I like to give that input. Mm -hmm. um, but usually it's more like, oh, okay, we have a team leader and I'm just kind of assisting by like helping lay out a plan type thing. Well, it even seems like who you are, if you were that, that first leader, that direct leader, is still there to help others. Like you said, like you have the organization and the plan to like move the project forward yeah. versus some of us who's like, I want to be a leader because I want to be in charge. <laughs> it's a, it's different. Yeah. And there's all different leadership styles. So everyone could be thinking about how, how they are a leader because that's going to come up in a vet school interview potentially. Definitely will. Did I'm, it come I'm up for you? I'm pretty sure I was asked. You probably like, were. <laughs> what were my leadership style yeah. or something like that? Yeah. So you had a completely different orientation experience. Yes. Yours was all virtual. Yes, it was. You had a completely different first year than they're having. Mm -hmm. Talk about what it's like knowing the first year you had, helping them get oriented and seeing the first year they're having. Just talk about that. It was really nice to see them bonding with mm -hmm. each other, them being the first years or the class of 2025. Um, because I think that's something our class kind of missed out on. We did get to interact with groups of our class because we were split up for social distancing when we were in person. But um, it's been really nice to see those really strong connections form really quickly with with the new students. So even um, 
you know, in the library, you'll see them kind of all sitting together or just kind of interacting at lunch and all that. And that's something that our class didn't really get, of course. So it's been nice. It is nice. I mean, good attitude to yeah. even be like, it's nice. Like, I'm not like, I'm not jealous. No. I, we could now we've basically done a case study that like we could probably say 100 percent in-person orientation is more beneficial. I would totally virtual. agree. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's so that's something students you can think about when you're picking a vet school. A virtual tour is never going to be the same as an in-person mm-hmm. tour. Like, you really just can't compare. COVID's made that difficult. Sometimes you can't get to places. But being able to welcome the students in person makes a huge difference and, and I think helps with their anxiety and helps them relax. Oh, for sure. Um, I believe you said before you guys used to do orientation at camp. And this mm-hmm. year, because of some COVID restrictions, that wasn't possible. But I think it ended up being a better experience for the students because they got to feel really comfortable on UF campus right. and, um, you know, get to be in the classrooms and go even up to different levels of the campus mm-hmm. and go into the small group rooms. Um, so I think they got a lot out of that, even though they were kind of bummed at first that they weren't going to camp. Sure. You're married. I am married. That's non-traditional in vet school. It is non-traditional, that's for sure. Ta- and, you know, this summer we did our summer trainings with you and I and professional development and setting goals. And, you know, one of your goals was to maybe wake up a little bit earlier because you and your husband are in different schedules. But talk about balancing a marriage in vet school. It's definitely tricky. Um, We've kind of had an interesting experience because we got married in December, um, but we've been dating for, well, together, I guess, not dating at this point, Um, but we've been together for about seven years. So we lived separately last year. He um, was still in Jacksonville working for um, a different company, and then he didn't move here until June. So, um, you know, we were kind of like wedding planning last fall, Mm. got married in December, Mm -hmm. and then he was still in Jacksonville in the spring. Um, But now that he's here, things have been really good. Um, He has been working a lot, though. So I feel like it's kind of still a little bit untraditional because he's working like six days a week right now. Um, So it's been nice in that regard because our schedules have been both of us being really busy. So like I've been able to study without too many distractions. Um, So we're kind of trying to balance it from that regard. But it's also been a little sad sometimes because, you know, he'll get home and he'll have like two hours and then he has to go to bed because he has to get up at 4.30. Right. So um, we don't get to see each other a whole lot right now. Um, so we're hopefully things will be calming down a little bit with his his job um, in the coming weeks. They've just had some like low staff stuff. But it's a whole different kind of relationship to be living with someone, but yeah. in vet school, because you might never see them, especially if his schedule is wacky. Yeah. So it's still kind of like long distance. It is. Yeah. It's, it's like we're here on campus for classes most days from at least eight thirty to three. Um, some, some days it varies, but you know, then he's at work from like five in the morning till six or seven at night. Um, so I still feel like I have plenty of time to study and, and that's been yeah, really nice. That's good. Um, but there's but like hardly any overlap. No, there, there's hardly any overlap right now, at least. I think folks should start thinking about friendships, relationships, even mm-hmm. with your family, navigating those waters ahead of time, because people, I, I would have an expectation if yeah. I, especially I got married, my husband lives with me now. Yeah. I'm going to see you all the time. And then it's like, no, no, no. Even if he wasn't having wacky hours, you still do have to study. Mm-hmm. So you have to have somebody who can really 
empathize and really understand and be understanding and yes. give grace because some people might be very like contentious about that. Yeah, I actually um, saw something on Facebook the other day that was kind of in that realm. Um, not even just about like marital relationship, but about friendships, family mm-hmm. relationships. Um, vet school obviously is very, very taxing. Um, any graduate program really is. And you could be so emotionally exhausted that like you can't respond to text messages because it's just one more thing and the mental energy that that takes. So I've talked to some people and they've lost friendships Mm -hmm. to a degree because they weren't able to kind of meet the needs that that other person had or that those expectations. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. It's, it's okay. It is okay. It's totally okay because you know, I mean, there will be other friendships and, and that happens. I think from a, from my perspective, I have a, a nine to five job. When mm-hmm. I leave, I leave everything behind. Mm-hmm. And you know, I've been I've had so many vet students who are fabulous friends. And sometimes I'm like, I don't know how they can't respond to a text because for me, it's so easy. Mm-hmm. But you're right. Like if you have a lot going on, that is one more thing you have to do for the other. Like the empathy piece about stepping into the other person's shoes, giving them the benefit of the doubt, mm-hmm. assuming the best, and just assuming like, okay, it's not a me problem or a them problem. It's just. They just can't handle this right now. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. And it can be like a little overwhelming at times because you're thinking, oh my gosh, you know, I'm, I'm not being a good friend. I'm mm. not being a good enough, like, I'm not giving enough to this relationship. Right. Whether, again, whether that's a um, more intimate relationship or just a platonic relationship or whatever it is, um, you might feel like you're not giving enough, but you can't pour out of an empty cup. You can't pour out of an empty cup. Could we agree that communication is key? Mm-hmm. Letting the other person know, like what you mentioned, like I cannot text. There is, yeah. it has nothing to do with you. I just have a lot going on. Yeah. Because otherwise it can help the other person not spin out. Um, but like you said, like if, if that person's cup is empty, that's why it's good to be proactive, folks. That's why this podcast is helpful to you. <laughs> because we're telling you this now and you can start setting the expectations and the boundaries ahead of time. That's why I'd also rather scare people a little bit about vet school and like second year. Mm. I'd rather scare people and be like, look, second year is intense and it, it sucks, is. which is true. <laughs> and then them realize like, oh, it wasn't as bad as I thought. I'd rather set the expectation. This is probably dark, but I'd rather set it to be bad yeah. <laughs> and someone be pleasantly surprised yeah. and me lie and be like, nah, it's going to be fine. Like parking. Yeah. I'm not going to tell people parking is fine. Parking is tricky. You yeah. have to figure it out. And then if they're like, oh, actually Alex, Alex was wrong. Parking's not that bad. Great. <laughs> Happy to be wrong about that. Hannah, talk to me about, we in our five debrief, we talked about how lovely it was to get to do in-person stuff after COVID when there was so much isolation. Mm. You identify as an introvert. Yeah, I would definitely say I'm more introverted. I get a lot of my battery recharge from being alone. As do I. Tell me how, though, as an introvert, it was still difficult being in isolation during COVID. Talk about that experience. Yeah, I mean, going through the first year of vet school very much isolated was really difficult because in vet school, no one's going to quite understand what you're going through like your classmates mm-hmm. are. And if you don't have that support system that totally gets what you're going mm-hmm. through, it's going to be even more challenging to kind of balance your mental health because mm-hmm. you don't really feel like there's anyone around you who just gets it. Um, you know, I have 
the most fantastic family. Like my, they are so, so supportive. And my husband is so supportive. But they're not going through it with me. I mean, they're going through it with me, but they're not like in it they're doing not the doing work, it, right. you know. So they have an outsider's perspective of just how much work goes into vet school. Right. Um, and that's fine. They do what they can as far as supporting goes. But your classmates are really the one who are like, oh, my gosh, this material is so hard. Yeah. We've been studying for six weeks straight with tests every week, and there's just no break in sight. Um, <laughs> You know, and so no one quite gets gets it like your classmates do. Um, So not having them around was really difficult because you're just sitting at home at your desk or on your couch and going from lecture to lecture to lecture. And then you're like, hey, I have an exam and then I have to keep studying. And um, even just meeting people to form study groups with was difficult um, because we did have social distancing and we were also encouraged, you know, to be safe outside of classes as well, of course. Um, so, you know, it was just, it was just more difficult. Like you take an already difficult time of your life and then you make it more challenging by kind of not having the people. Yeah. I mean, you're so right that that is a whole nother level of feeling isolated alone. You do have your 123 other classmates you can't really hardly see them. Yeah. So it's like, how do I get through this? It's like being on a team, but never seeing your teammates. Right. You know what it, it reminds me of? It reminds me of if I was a vet student who I was um, like a minority and I, I identify a certain way and literally nobody else around me identifies in that way. I'm going, I feel like I'm going through it alone. Yeah. People are around me. They're going through the same thing, but they're not going through it in the same way that I'm going through it. And that almost feels COVID like. Mm-hmm. So I think that's an interesting way to look at it, to give everyone a perspective of like, this might be how other folks feel mm-hmm. like going through something alone, even though everybody else around them is going through the same thing. Right. Ugh. Yeah. It was, I'm, there were a lot of pros, honestly, to being at home. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I really enjoyed being able to just get up and make a cup of coffee oh, or that. having my cat on the couch with me. That was really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, though, online lectures didn't work. I've taken lots of other online classes, but it wasn't vet school level. Right. Um, so my attention span was very limited. Mm-hmm. Um, phones are a big distraction. Everything in the apartment was a big distraction. Um, and being online wasn't the best scenario for me. Um, being back in person has been much better, but I have a lot of classmates who still prefer to stay home. Yeah. You know, right. so it might work for some people. It might not work for other people. Um, but it was, I think everyone can agree that it was very isolating mm-hmm. regardless of like, if you learned okay in the scenario. Literally, like you were alone. Yeah. You're literally alone. Yeah. Speaking of being back in person, talk about how second year is going. So while we're recording this, this is uh, towards the end of September. So you've been in it for about a month. Mm-hmm. Does it feel like longer than a month? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm exhausted just thinking about the next three months. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Talk about it. Um, you know, a lot of the now third years said second year was the absolute, not the worst, but it was just really, really hard. It was way harder than first year. Um, and, you know, first year is where you take, like, anatomy and all that kind of, like, traditionally, like, very intimidating classwork. But second year is all about learning about disease processes. And um, it's just a different level of intense. And um, so 
I was really nervous going in because I had all these people saying, oh my God, second year's the worst. It's just an entire hell year and it's, it's so hard. But I have been pleasantly surprised. And I think a lot of that is because last year was so difficult for me learning wise. So being back in the classroom, I feel like I'm actually retaining the information. I'm not having to make up after classes are over for my lack of attention during class. Um, and so overall, I've been more pleased with the academic side of things. It's been challenging for other reasons, just because now I'm on campus all day instead of being home. Mm -hmm. um, but I've just tried to build more structure into my schedule, go to the gym more often. Yes, girl. Um, yeah, We're getting fit. It's been great, especially after last year. You know, the gym was open last year um, and... You know, you just, just had to wear masks. I felt yeah. more gross last year. It was a little intimidating yeah. to go to the gym with all these people who you didn't know who they had been around. Right. Um, without a vaccine at that point. Right, without a vaccine. Mm -hmm. So there was some hesitation to really incorporate my traditional form of exercise. I'm not really one to work out of my house. Um, so it w that was tricky. Um, but, yeah, just building a lot more structure into my schedule this year has helped mentally. Mm -hmm. Um mm -hmm. But, yeah, I much prefer being back in the classroom. The, the year's been better already. But. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. I'm, I, I'm very happy, too. I'm so happy for you. I'm also happy to hear you reflect on how last year – what I hear you saying is, like, it's hard. It's better than last year. Which yeah. Which, like, you're, you have – for me. It's better for you. Yeah. It's better for you. And – to be able to like have the resiliency to be like, it could be worse. Like I think when people have that attitude, they're just going to be better off. I had John Gould on the podcast and he was talking, he's a third year who was a puncher for the football team, but he had cancer when he was a kiddo. Oh my gosh. Yes. And so he beat the cancer, but he's now like someone, his like mantra is essentially someone else is having a worse day than he is. <laughs> so it sounds like you kind of can, you can do that too. Be like, last year was worse than this year. Like this is a better situation. So yeah. it's always great if you can reframe it, not silver lining it. Cause we know I don't like that. No. <laughs> we're not silver lining it. We're not saying at least, and we're not, but we are able to say like, I'm happier now than I was then. And yeah. you can appreciate it. Keeping everything in perspective is important. Correct. <laughs> We've talked about clinics, we've talked about COVID year, we talked about five. I feel like you are like a level-headed human. I hope so. <laughs> I, I think you are. What advice do you have for pre-vet students? What do you think they need to know that can help them prepare for either balancing relationships, studying, handling a vet school, having a good attitude? You've seen at this point first years come in. You've been a first year, you're a second year. What do they need to hear from Hannah? You know, everyone says vet school is hard, and it is. It is very hard. Um, it, but it's not impossible. I don't find that the material itself is any more difficult than maybe what I've studied in the past. Um, like organic chemistry, honestly, that's probably harder than any class I'm currently taking because it just doesn't, like, I don't get it. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't get organic chemistry. Um, but it's really just been a big like priority shift like you just kind of have to go well you know this is my life currently this is the phase of life that I'm in and that involves being submerged in academic work 15 hours a day Ugh, yeah. <laughs> you know like like you said you go to class and you come home and you still have more to study yeah you do and that's just kind of how it is you know and and for me that's been helpful because 
instead of focusing on, oh my gosh, I wish I would, could just be watching Netflix right now or I'd just be doing something else, anything else, that's not actually going to be productive thinking because I still have an exam on Friday that I have to study for. True. So if I just kind of accept my reality, that helps. But as far as for like a pre-vet student, I think just kind of getting into that mindset with whatever point in your life you're in is just like, okay, this is what my life looks like right now. This is the season of life that I'm in. And getting used to thinking that way will just maybe help you adjust to like the different season of life once you are a vet student. Yes. Um, Hannah. <laughs> life is just all about being adaptable. Yes. You're speaking my language. <laughs> it, I mean, you're literally talking about seasons of sacrifice. Yeah. And right now, second year is a season of sacrifice for Netflix. Yeah. For having like your time as your own. Like you're really, mm-hmm. you're a busy student. When you're on clinics, that's going to be a different season of sacrifice. Yeah. Um, I mean, it might be better. Like you get to leave and leave your work at work. (laughs) So I think having everybody start to work on that mentality of your set, like you said, it's not productive to be like, I'm missing out on this. this." Like get over it. Like you can't do it. Yeah. You're not doing it. I think another thing that helps me get through like the really challenging times that I have experienced so far is just thinking like I am where I wanted to be five years ago Mm -hmm. or when I was six years old and wanting to be a vet. Like, this is what I have been looking forward to for the last 20 years. And as much as it is really difficult sometimes, like, just taking that little moment to be like, okay, you know, yes, you have four exams in two weeks, but, like, you're you're working towards your dreams. Like, you are literally manifesting what you have wanted out of your life. Yeah, and And you're killing it. Yeah, killing it. I want to thank Hannah for being on the podcast today. Well, thank you for having me. Well, thanks, Hannah, for talking to us about the importance of being adaptable, taking us through your vet school journey. It's nice because you've really experienced not just your own journey, but you've seen other folks' journey too because you're so willing to help others and be like put put in the mix. So I'm sure the students appreciate having you around. Yeah, well, I hope that this is helpful for anyone who's, you know, trying to get into vet school or anyone who's in vet school currently. I'm Alex Avellino, and we'll talk to you soon. 